Hey guys, welcome to the Student of Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and professional development. So let's get right into it. I got a lot to cover today and I want to talk about this. So I am just getting back home. I had court this morning, small claims court. I had a money judgment against a former tenant. Now this former tenant owes me for three months of back due rent, past due rent. So it would be June, July, and August. So this tenant was there last year during the during COVID and of the eviction moratorium. So hadn't had a problem. The tenant paid their rent for nine months straight. And then all of a sudden in June, they stopped paying their rent. And of course, I'm like, huh, that's strange. This guy pays pretty regular. It's always in there in the rent drop box on the first of the month. So I wait four or five days and then I send them, hey, what's going on? Uh, I know she haven't paid rent. And then he comes up with a bunch of excuses on why he's not going to pay rent until this is fixed, until something. And it's obvious that he's just not going to pay rent and we have an eviction moratorium going on. So... In the past, it, one of those things where they talk about landlords doing self-help. You can't do that, right? So if someone's not paying your rent, but then they call in and, hey, this thing needs fixed or there's a maintenance issue. Okay. But they're two separate items. Rent is different from maintenance issues. So, but as a landlord, I have to fix whatever's broken. So... I start giving him his notices. I start giving him, I can, of course, during, during COVID, you cannot evict for non-payment of rent. So I'm like, what am I going to do? He's in a contract until this fall. So I try to evict him for a violation of the lease, for a violation of the rules, and that gets shot down in court. So the judge says, well, you know what? You accepted this for 30 days or more. And if you do that, uh, you're accepting the new conditions and you cannot evict for a lease violation. Great. So by this time, two months had gone by. So I gave him a 30-day notice of termination or a non-renewal because his lease is starting to get towards the end. He ends up moving out on his own because then the eviction moratorium gets lifted. So now fast forward several months because, you know, okay, when do we go to court? I filed last fall, September, October. And they're like, yeah, not till March, April, springtime. Okay, well, that's a long ways, but this guy's hired an attorney. So when I file online, I'm going to the attorney. So I don't know where he moved, don't have his address, but because he's got an attorney, I can file everything there. So... Last week, before I went to my conference in Vegas, seven days prior to our court hearing, I had to upload all the exhibits. And I've been doing this landlord thing a really long time. So I fill out 10 different exhibits, upload them, have the security deposit letter, have all my ducks in a row. And in my state, when you go to court, you have mandatory 
uh, what do they call it? Um, mediation. You have mandatory mediation. So there's usually an older gentleman who used to be a business owner and they volunteer their time and do mediation. So in order to cut down the backlog, you know, you go through this mediation and they're like, hey, I'm a mediator. This is what we're doing. We just want to get you guys start talking. And I've done this hundreds of times, unfortunately. So they always go to you first. What's the problem? Hey, this is cut and dry, cookie cutter. They were there three months. They didn't pay the rent. They owe me about $2,000 They go to the defense. So what's your argument? It says, well, you know, the landlord put them in this apartment knowing that they couldn't pay, setting them up to fail. And then when the middle of a pandemic with COVID, he's trying to kick them out onto the streets. It's not ethical. So what do you what do you think about the plaintiff's exhibits as well? We have no disagreement there. We don't have. So they're like, so you're you're agreeing with the plaintiff on everything. This is the uh, mediator talking. He's like, so you're agreeing with the plaintiff on everything. So what's your argument? He kind of looks at me kind of confused, like to the attorney. He's like, what's the defense's argument? And he's like, well, they shouldn't have just put him in housing that he knew he couldn't pay they were setting him up to fail and then they were trying to kick him out and evict him in the middle of covid this is low-income housing and i says well wait a minute first of all i don't consider my property low-income housing and he paid rent for nine months straight with no issues and then all of a sudden during an eviction moratorium he just stops paying and during this time the tenant smiling at me, making sure he says hi. I mean, he's egging me on it. Hey, I'm living here for free, buddy. There's nothing you can do about it. And then finally, when the lease is uh, terminated, I give him a non-renewal notice and say, hey, you got 30 days um, because you can do an eviction for a termination of the rental agreement once it's, once it's concluded because he's not acting in what I call good faith. So it's just funny that their their entire case is not based on law. And it's all about, well, he should just be allowing them to live there without rent because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's just the right thing to do. Not to mention the right thing to do, in my opinion, as a landlord, and yes, I'm biased, is you sign an agreement pay your rent, pay your rent. We wouldn't be here. And then the kicker was, is I had lined up with the state and with the county rental assistance for him. Matter of fact, in our courthouse, there is tables with Iowa legal aid, free legal services, free to sign up for it. And I offered this all to him and he wouldn't fill out the paperwork. He wouldn't go click on the link. He wouldn't do the work. They were lazy. So when I looked at this, I'm like, uh, you know, I've got him. And, and he's like, you know, hey, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to go to court. We're going to go to court. We're going to get the judgment. And then we're going to start doing garnishments. And then we're going to do what's called a debtor's exam, pulling him back into court again. And he's got to have to pay his attorney this whole time. So the whole reason I'm telling you this story, two, two reasons really, is this is one of those reasons why people do not want to get into real estate. They don't want to be a landlord because they don't want to fix toilets. They don't want to do evictions. They don't want to be dealing with tenants. 
I understand that and I get that. Then you need to partner with someone that will do the property management. You need to either hire a property management or partner with someone that will manage the property that knows what they're doing and they're a seasoned veteran. The second takeaway from this goes back to leverage. And I have done some YouTube videos on this. I don't think I've done a podcast on it, but I've done some YouTube videos on negotiations. And it really comes down to how much leverage do you have? I mean, we talk about leverage for debt and financing and leveraging debt. We don't talk about negotiations and doing contract disputes. And what it really comes down to is he who has the most leverage wins. And what do I mean by leverage? I mean the contract, the lease. I have them over a barrel and I've dotted my I's and I've crossed my T's and I've done everything legal and I gave them no wiggle room, nothing they could really come back on you know, as a landlord, I didn't try to do any self-help. You don't shut the utilities off. When there's a service issue, you take care of it. I never want to give a tenant a reason to bring up an opposing view in front of a judge. I do what I'm supposed to. I uphold my end of the legal agreement. So I asked the defense, I'm within my legal right. Everything I did, I did nothing illegal. And their defense is... It's ethics. You shouldn't be picking on this guy. So what they don't understand is that also affects my family, food on my table, right? I mean, I have employees. I've got people that I have to take care of. And when my tenants don't hold up their end of the bargain, they're hurting families as well. They're not only themselves, but also my employees, my family, my children, my ability to take care of my family business. And unfortunately, people think landlording is a family business. That it's, that, you know, the, the, my analogy is the utility companies, they don't care. The city water department, you don't pay your bill, they come out there and shut it off. They don't need a court order. They don't care if water and electricity and heat are, you need it for life. You know, they shut that off. And how come this? How come the water department gets away with it? Because it's a government city entity. See, government loves to pick on people and flex their muscle, and they don't have to follow the same rules that private citizens do in private entities. That's a talk for another day. So ultimately, at the end of the day, what it came down to is we settled because I knew that I could get a judgment for the full $2,000. I could go in, I was gonna win, but just because you have a judgment doesn't mean you have collections. So the defense attorney offered to pay half. They said, hey, we'll give you uh, $1,000, 500 today and 500, and I says, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 60 days to pay the other 500. More than fair. They're like, okay, great. They're like, give him 500. Well, the defense, the defendant wants to put it on a credit card. Uh, hint, don't be that guy. Don't have to be struggling so much where you got to put $500 on a credit card. And I would have gladly accepted it, except 
my merchant account requires 3% of that fit $500. And then the attorney's like, crap, I thought you had $600 in your pocket. That's why I said, get 500 down. And the guy ended up having 20 bucks in his pocket. So guess what? I'm sitting here talking to you, holding a crisp, brand new $20 bill in my pocket. So here's the settlement we did. So, okay, I'm going to take half because it's money today in the next today and the next 60 days. He couldn't give me 500 today. So I took his 20 bucks. He's got to pay me $480 by Friday, which he won't be able to do. But we're going to funnel it through his law firm's trust account. So that's guaranteed money for me. And then he has to pay me another $500 in 60 days through his attorney, through their trust account. So I'm only getting half of what he owes me, but it's cash and I have a judgment. And if they fail anywhere along the way, the entire $2,000 is due and payable. And at that point in time, I'll start doing garnishments. I'll start doing everything that I can to collect that money. And I don't say that, it, hey, I'm the rich landlord and this is you know a tenant that's struggling financially. What I'm saying is, is where do you want to be? Where is the leverage? I do not, I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy collections. I don't enjoy having to go to court. But I'm doing this for my family to build the wealth. And I've taken the time to where I'm at today. You know, years ago, I have tenants that owe me thousands and thousands of dollars. I had one tenant owed me $5,000. I got a judgment on it. And then they filed bankruptcy, which discharged it all. So I probably lost $30,000 in unpaid rent that year. And that's a lot of money. And that affects not only me, but my family, my children, and the employees that work for me. So if we sign a lease, have integrity, pay your bills, don't file bankruptcy, become a student of money. All right, we're going to move on because I want to touch on one other thing before we leave. And this was going to be my main topic, but we're already long in this podcast so hopefully that story format was a little more inspiring, a little more informational. So, and again, we're not talking, I'm not the same person I was 10, 15 years ago when I got started in real estate. And why is that? Because I attend events. So this week I just got back from Vegas, just got back from a mastermind group and it was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Probably cost me out of pocket Two thousand um, dollars between the tickets, the hotel, the flight, food. Two thousand dollars. But what did I get out of it? Did I get two thousand dollars in value? Darn yes, heck yes. Within the first speaker, I got two thousand dollars in value back. Uh, and this was a mix of sales and marketing. Um, this was a mix of legal and compliance. This was a mix of personal development, 
This was a mix of networking with other like-minded individuals, which actually ended up being the most valuable. And within the three days, we've probably had 20 speakers. And I met my first billionaire with a B. And got to network with them, got to pick their brain. They know, they probably know my name by now. We get to follow them and see what they do. So these are the people I call my mentors. And uh, it was an awesome event, highly recommend. And then we got to do some cool things like drive exotic cars in the Las Vegas Speedway. Pretty cool, right? And $2,000, it's a small price to pay for the value that I got out of it. So my analogy is just like buying a book. I'm gonna buy the book and I might even read the book. And then if I read the book, and then I don't do anything, I don't take action on the information on there, I just wasted my money. So what I say is don't be a groupie. If you're going to go spend the money and go to masterminds, go to conferences, go to events, make it worthwhile and 10X your investment. Infinity X your investment. Because I can guarantee you, I'm going to take the tenth or the $2,000 that I spent on this event and I'm going to more than 10x or 100x the information that I received there. Right? Give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. So both of these examples, where do you want to be? I'm sitting there in this conference, professionally dressed, slacks, shirt, tie, paying attention, taking notes, because I'm in the VIP gold section. And then of course, here comes somebody that just bought the general admission ticket, dressed kinda not professional, let's just put it that way not the best manners, comes in, sets down next to me, immediately starts to fall asleep. So that during this entire speaker, I don't know, we're in Vegas. Maybe he went out the night before and had a little too much to drink. But he's sleeping, slumped over on me, wakes up, falls asleep, slumps over on me. And, of course, I'm sitting there trying to take notes. Who do you think is going to get more from that conference? Me or him? Who's taking notes? Who's paying attention? Who's alert? Who looks professional? So, you know, I hope that person got something out of the conference, but I'm guessing probably not. The odds of him taking action in the next year are probably pretty low. The odds of me taking action from that conference in the next 12 months probably pretty high so don't be that guy if you're gonna spend the money get out there and take action so that's our show for today I hope you learned something get out there and do something this week I know I did I've already got everything lined up for this week we're hitting the ground running 
We're taking action. We're moving forward. We're getting it done. And always remember, when the teacher is ready, the student will appear. My name's Jeff. This is the Student of Money Podcast, and I'll see you next week right here at Student of Money.